The word comes to us this day from Romans chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there as we together hear from the word of the Lord. If you don't have a Bible with you, the words will be on the screen. We're going to be Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse verse 18, and we'll continue on through verse 23. Uh, Romans 8, 18. Let us hear together what God has for us this day. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. This is God's Word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing, and so we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Amen. Church, would you pray with me? Well, Father God, we recognize that you're here with us, right here, right now. God, as your your word tells us that where two or more are gathered, you are here. And so we recognize your presence in this place. And God, we ask that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive whatever it is that you have for us this morning. God, we pray that you would be made much of in this space, that our offerings in this time would be a sweet aroma to you. And God, ultimately, we pray that you are glorified among us today and all the days after. And God, we love you and we trust you. And it's in your son's Jesus name that we pray. Amen. So for the last few weeks, we have been in a series called Defining New. And and we've been talking about defining new because what we see as the definition of new in culture is quite different than the newness that's offered to us in Christ. Because you see, this newness that's offered to us in Christ uh, doesn't depreciate in value the minute we start driving off the lot into our journey with Jesus. And this newness that we have in Christ uh, is not dependent on our ability to keep it clean. And and this newness that we have in Christ, or this newness that is available to us in Christ, is costly. It actually costs the highest price. But praise be to God, through the gift of his son Jesus, that he paid it all. So this opportunity that we have in Christ, this newness that we have 
in Christ um, should beg us to maybe ask a question. If we need to be made new in Christ, then what are we right now? If, if there's such a need for us to accept this gift of new life and newness in Jesus, what, is, what does that mean before Jesus? What, what does that mean for us right here? Well, I believe that the word tells us in the world around us is quite evident that we are broken. That we're broken. And, and, and we could talk about brokenness on several different levels, right? We could talk about individual brokenness just between you and the Lord. What does that look like, you broken? Or we could talk about humanity at large, the brokenness that we see in the world around us through people. But friends, I would invite us today to zero in on what I believe is actually the largest scale of brokenness that we see around us, and, and that's the brokenness of creation. The last three years, I have been serving as a missionary in Honduras. Before I had the honor of coming here and being on staff at Covenant, I was serving uh, with an organization called Hope for Honduras. And I was serving on this beautiful mountainside uh, right outside of the capital city of Tegucigalpa. And, and, and this community is an is a impoverished community, and this organization that I was working with has been there serving for the last 20 years. And, and they've seen and I got to be a part of some really incredible work that, uh, that God was doing. But, but this work began 20 years ago, and this community was established 20 years ago because of massive devastation that occurred. Uh, Hurricane Mitch hit Honduras and several Central American countries in 1998. It is still recorded as the second deadliest hurricane to ever hit the Western Hemisphere. 11,000 people lost their lives. And, and if we scale in just to Honduras, um, and even specifically Tegucigalpa, where I served, Tegucigalpa kind of sits down in a bowl. I understand it's a valley, but that's just how my mind works here. So it sits down in a bowl. And it's surrounded by these gorgeous mountains. But you can imagine when a hurricane stalls out and rains for over a week straight that, that the capital city, the buildings, filled up four stories high worth of water. Mudslides came down off the mountains and took out entire communities. The, the devastation, as, as I heard from personal testimony, looking at photos and videos and the, the, the facts are staggering. It is, it's astronomical what took place. And, and we can't look in the face of such devastation and not think that something's not right here. There, there's a kink in the system. Something is broken. So I think it begs us then to ask the question, well, why? Why is creation broken? 
it broken and when did it start? If you'll turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Genesis 3, I think we're going to get some clarity on, on when this whole thing started. And if you don't have a Bible, the, the scriptures will be on the screen. And, and we're entering into the story here in Genesis. God has just created everything. He's just created the world, the trees, the oceans, the livestock. Uh, scripture says every creeping thing that creeps on the ground. Some of those creeping things I wish he hadn't have made, but that's, that's for another time. So, so God has made all of this, and he's made the first humans, Adam and Eve. Now, Adam and Eve had a pretty sweet deal in this whole gig. God said, okay, you get dominion over all of this, over the trees and the oceans and the birds and the livestock, all those creeping things, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get dominion over all of this. But he gave one very specific no. He said, hey, that, that tree that you see there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat any fruit that comes from it. Don't do it. Spoiler alert, friends. Um, they didn't obey. And, and we're, where we're picking up in the story is God communicating the consequences of their choice to disobey. So we're going we're gonna to start in verse 17. We're in Genesis 3, starting in verse 17. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat fruit from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. Yikes. So you see, what's evident here is that when humanity fell, so did everything else. So when sin entered the world and it broke us, as humans, as consequence, so did everything. Everything else fell when we did. And that's a really heavy reality to sit in. A truth to let sit on us right here. That everything is not as it should be. That this was not God's design fulfilled. But God, because you see, the minute that everything fell, God set a plan in motion to redeem all that had been broken. And, and we see this pinnacle of his plan to redeem all in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, his son. And, and when Jesus came and he resurrected, defeating death, he ascended into heaven. And when he ascended into heaven, he promised to come again. And this is really, really significant for so many reasons. Because when, when he promised to come again, there was a lot of things that he promised would happen. But one of those things in particular is that when he came again, that he would restore the goodness and beauty of creation. If you'll turn to Revelation 21, 
I think we're going to see a glimpse of what this will look like. Revelation 21, starting in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Amen? What hope, what comfort that you and I, all of this around us, creation at large, all made new, all redeemed, all restored for good. What a gift. So, okay, we know, we know the beginning of the story, right? We know how everything fell, how creation broke. And, and we know the end of the story, that all will be made new. Everything will be made right. So what does all of this mean for us today? What do we do right here, right now? In, in this present darkness, what do we do? Because you see, Paul, in his letter to the Romans, wouldn't have to encourage about the future glory to come and, and talk about these present sufferings or nothing worth the future glory that is to come if all was already right. We wouldn't have any sufferings. And, and he wouldn't describe this, this eager expectation of creation for a different reality or this frustration even of creation for, for things to be different than they are if everything was already right, if everything was already whole. And, and so what do we do? What does all of this mean for us right here, right now? Well, friends, I believe that if we have been made new in Christ, if we have received this gift of new life in Jesus, and he has redeemed and restored us, and he is in the work of redeeming and restore us to look more and more like his son Jesus every single day, then that means we also are commanded to be agents of redemption and restoration to the world around us. That, that to step into being Jesus to the world, to look more and more like him, we have to go out and do the work of redemption and restoration that he's done in us. And, and, and for the last three years of my life that I spent in Honduras, I got to see believers just like you answer that call to go be in the hands and feet of Jesus 
and be the hands and feet of redemption and restoration to Honduras. And, and it was powerful and it was beautiful. And, and one of the things that was so sweet to see is that this invitation to be a part of this redemption and restoration was not only limited if you could go physically. You could send of your money. You could send of your supplies. You could send your humble prayers before God to heal the land of Honduras. And, and to watch this beautiful partnership happen on the ground was exactly that. It was beautiful. And, and, and not only was this physical redemption happening of a land that had been so, so destroyed, but, but in walking out that redemption and restoration of the land, it provided opportunities to share with people about the spiritual redemption that's available in Jesus. Powerful, powerful, powerful stuff. And, and I know for so many of you here in this room, you understand and you resonate with that, that giving and receiving of redemption and restoration because Hurricane Harvey hit just a couple of years ago. And, and I woke up the morning that Hurricane Harvey had hit Houston. I woke up in my bed in Honduras, and I was just scrolling and scrolling on Facebook. I was clicking news article after news article, just, just reading about what was happening, and... I couldn't believe it. My, my friends who had just marked safe just a few hours or even the night before were posting again and saying, just kidding, we're evacuating. Please, play, pre, please pray for us. And, and, and I looked at my old neighborhood living before I went to Honduras, and, and I'm looking up to see, okay, okay, are the people that I know okay in this neighborhood and it's completely underwater. And I feel helpless. And I feel hopeless. And I, I'm, I'm trapped in this, this tension of this push-pull of, okay, God, I've been called here in Honduras to be a part of this redemption work and this restoration, but my friends over here need it too. What, what am I supposed to do? Well, I guess I'll get up and get ready and, and go to work and, and pray. Because that's, that's all I can do, right? And so I, I gather my things. I, I get in the work van. I'm on this, I'm on this drive up the mountain, and I'm, I'm continuing to read and continuing to read and just not even believing what I'm seeing and reading. And, and I'm walking up the steps that will lead into our kitchen for a staff devotional that we have every morning before we would spread out into our individual tasks that we would have, about 60 of my Honduran uh, coworkers and I. And so as I'm walking up these steps about to go into the kitchen, I'm just trying to get my heart and my mind in a space to just receive this devotional that we're about to have. Um, but I'm just so, so distracted. 
and, and as I'm walking in to this all too familiar kitchen, about to encounter these familiar faces who I love so, so much, I see a sight that stops me in my tracks. I see all 60 of my Honduran coworkers gathered around in this kitchen, and they're praying. And they're praying for you. They, they are praying and offering up their humble prayers to God. God, would you heal and restore the land, the people who have come to be a part for the last 20 years of redeeming and healing ours? I, I, I hear Betty, the supervisor of our kitchen, offering up names of team members that she can remember that have come for the last several years and saying, saying, God, would you, would you protect him? God, would you, would you heal her? God, would you, would you just do a redemptive work that only you can do in their lives in this situation? And, and it was powerful because they were praying these prayers and they were praying with confidence that he would that he would do these things because they'd seen it for themselves. They'd seen it for themselves. And, and this connection that they had of, of knowing and believing and seeing what God had done for them and believing and knowing that he would do it for you here in Houston what, is something I never want to get over. What a beautiful truth. What a beautiful truth to witness and to be a part of. And so, friends, in, in the face of the brokenness of creation, I don't know what God is asking you to do. I can't know that. Only you in the quietness of your heart between you and the Lord can know what God would ask you to do. But I would invite you that if, if you don't know where to pray or don't even know how to start praying towards this, I'd invite you to Pray a simple prayer that just says, God, in the face of this brokenness, in the face of this devastation that is in the world around us, how do I go from one step from where I am to one step closer to who you are? And friends, I believe if we all did that and we all answered accordingly, this world would look a little bit more like his kingdom come and his will be done here in the world around us. Would you pray with me? God, you are good. God, you are powerful. God, you're faithful. And you are in control. And, and, and God, it can be hard to believe that truth of you being in control when so much around us seems so out of control. But God, would we rest in the fact that you are in the work of redemption and restoration, and you've invited us to be a part of it. And, and God, as we, as we sing the lyrics to this song, this brokenness aside, we'll be reminded in the face of discouragement to have hope that you are in the work of taking 
brokenness aside and making something beautiful. God, thank you for the gift that we get to be in partnership with what you're doing in the world. And God, thank you for the gift of your son that makes any of this possible. And God, we love you and we trust you. And we ask all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.